looking to sound like you know what's going on in the world? Pop culture, social strategy, comedy, and other funny stuff? Well, join the club and settle in for the Jeff Dwoskin Show. It's not the podcast we deserve, but the podcast we all need with your host, Jeff Dwoskin. All right, Gary, thank you so much for that amazing introduction. You get the show going each and every week, and this week was no exception. Welcome, everybody, to episode 110 of Live from Detroit, the Jeff Dwoskin Show. As always, I am your host, Jeff Dwoskin. Great to have you back for what's sure to be one of the happiest episodes ever produced here at Live from Detroit. How happy? I'll tell you. Your day is about to be made so happy when you hear my conversation with Anson Williams. That's right. Potsy from Happy Days is here. Oh, he's dishing on Happy Days. A great story about the birth of Mork from Ork. An absolutely mesmerizing tale about the Heimlich Maneuver. And Anson Williams is an entrepreneur. He created a product called, nay, a revolutionary product called Alert Drops, saving lives left and right. Can't wait for you to hear about that. So yes, happy days are upon us. My conversation with Anson Williams is coming up in just a few minutes. Thank you all for the kind notes and DMs about episode 108 with Ricardo Flanagan. It was nice to finally share that interview with you. Such an amazing person, such a hilarious friend. So sad that we lost him so young, but glad there's comedy left behind and the shows he was on for everyone to still enjoy the work he did while he was with us. Check out episode 108 with my pal, Ricardo Flanagan. You will not be disappointed. Head over to jeffisfunny.com for that episode and all episodes streaming at your fingertips. I make it so easy for you. And now it's time for the social media tip. All right, buckle up. This is the part of the show where I share a little bit of my social media knowledge with you. A little 411 I picked up on the street. A little tip to make your social life a little easier. I believe if we all work together. We can all raise our social games together. Today, I want to talk about Twitter DMs. They introduce pinned conversations. That's right. Now you can pin your five favorite DMs. Never miss a DM from your mother-in-law again or miss a DM from your mother-in-law. However you want to use the feature, it's totally up to you. But the cool part is on mobile, you just swipe right on a DM that you're a part of. And you can pin it. And on desktop, there's little three dots when you're in the inbox next to the DM. Before you click into it, click on that and you can pin it. You can pin five conversations to the top. They'll just stay there. I love it because I'm always searching for certain DMs that I can never find because I get buried by other DMs. But no more. All right. Go check it out. Enjoy. Send me a DM and let me know how much you love it. And that's the social media tip. I've been taking singing lessons, you probably can tell. Thank you very much. Speaking of thank yous, I want to thank everyone in advance for their support of the sponsors. When you support the sponsors, you're supporting us here live from Detroit, the Jeff Duwaskin Show. And that's how we keep the lights on. Today's interview sponsor is Alert Drops. That's alertdrops.com, the amazing life-saving product created by Anson Williams. Drowsy driving, no more. Check out alertdrops.com. We talk about it during the interview. That's coming up in just one second. If you thought you loved Potsy Weber before, you're going to love Anson Williams even more now. All this Happy Days and Alert Drops is dedication to making the world a better and safer place will inspire you. 
I'm excited to share my conversation that I had with Anson Williams with you. And that's coming up right now. All right, everyone. I am so excited to introduce to you actor, entrepreneur, director, author. You loved him as Warren Potsy Weber on Happy Days. Let's rock around the clock as we welcome Anson Williams to the show. Welcome to the show. How are you? I'm thrilled to be on the show. <laughs> it really is wonderful being here, man. Really, seriously. This is so exciting. I'm so excited. I well, I appreciate it. It means a lot. It does. It really does. Like many, many people, I grew up on Happy Days, and I'm really excited to talk to you about that and all the cool stuff you've done. I think one of the cooler things you've done, and I want to kind of talk about it right up front, and I want to kind of lead into it with your uncle is Heimlich, Dr. Heimlich. I'll correct that. He's actually my second cousin, but ever since I was born, like 21 years ago, that's a joke, um, <laughs> I, I, I always called him Uncle Hank. So it's always been uncle. Cool. We all, yeah, it's a real close relative. We all have those relatives that are aunt, like yeah. uh, honorary aunt and uncle. But we've been very tight for decades. He passed three and a half years ago, but my whole life we've been, he's been my uncle. That's so cool. And so I think everyone's heard of the Heimlich Maneuver. You mean, wait, wait, let me see. The Heimlich Maneuver created by one individual in the Guinness Book of Records that has saved more lives in the history of, of the world documented than any one individual. Yes. Yeah, that's my uncle. Yes, Dr. Heimlich. Yes, that's him. Amazing. And in my research, this may, I may have, I don't remember if I read this in your book or if I picked it up somewhere else, but is that one of the reasons most of us know about it is when you were having success with Happy Days, you went on the Merv Griffin show with- True. Dr. Heimlich, and that helped really kind of gain uh, a ton of exposure for this. Very interesting in life, everybody out there, how, how so many things connect to a major event. Really growing up, I'm a number in the world, whatever, blah, 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 blah. You're working, you're this, you get jobs. I get a job happy days. I get this amazing mentor, Gary Marshall, you know, who created the show, an amazing group of friends, Henry Winkler, Ron Howard. Donnie, Marion Ross, who's the, the combination made a huge successful show. Without that show, I don't think the Heimlich Maneuver, I can't say I don't think the Heimlich Maneuver, at the, at the moment of time, what, what made the motivation to bring it to the public was Happy Days, much more than me. And not many people know about this. And this is kind of a personal story here. Happy Days really was the catalyst to blast off the Heimlich Maneuver. And here's why. There's happy days and all these creative people, and I'm on it, and I happen to sing, and I happen to go on the Merv Griffin show a few times. So I'll bring you back to the morning on stage 19. Dr. Heimlich is there visiting me, and he was really sad because he was explaining to me he created the maneuver, and he, he got some regional publicity. He had a political problem with the Red Cross at the time, and literally the Red Cross was stopping the Heimlich maneuver from moving forward, telling everyone you should slap on the back, slap on the back, slap on the back. Actually, today, you will see Hug for Life, not the Heimlich maneuver on the Red Cross. They had a huge political, whatever it was, conflict, but it was stopping saving lives. And he was really irritated. And we're talking, and, and, and a call came on the set from the Merv Griffin show. And they wanted to talk to me. The producer said that, you know, someone had dropped out that night. Are you available at the last minute? We'd love to have you on. You'll sing a song. We'll talk to you, blah, 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 blah. I'm, I'm thinking, 
divine intervention. Holy cow. I go, sure, I'll be there. I'm off at so-and-so. And I could make, I literally could make it. I went back to, to Hank, my uncle, uncle Hank. I said, hey, listen, the Merv Griffin show called. Blah, blah, blah. Maybe we can get the Heimlich Maneuver on national television as an idiot. I'm sitting here. I, I have no, like, usually when you do a talk show, it's like, what are you talking about? All approvals, all this, all that. And I'm just thinking, we'll get it on the air. Come there and you'll get on the air on the Merv Griffin show, like an idiot. <laughs> so and Hank's going, whatever. Okay, fine. I get released early on the show. I, I shower up. He comes up with me. I get everything I need for the band, you know, and I'll, we get down there to the Merv Griffin show. I have to uh, rehearse with the band, with my charts and whatever. And I, I, I say, hey, is Merv around? No, he's not around. Oh, okay. He's busy. Oh, okay. I rehearse the song, blah, blah, blah. Associate producer comes in. Here's what you're going to talk about. What would you like to talk about? And I'm going, oh, the Heimlich maneuver. And they go, well, we don't know. We don't know about that. We don't, we don't know about that. What about we want to talk about happy days? And we, I go, okay. So anyway, but I'd really like to like to talk to Merv. Well, he's not available. Finally, it gets to the point where it looks like it's not going to happen. I'm not going to be talking about Heimlich maneuver, Dr. Heimlich, nothing. So they put Dr. Heimlich in the audience as a guest. And uh, the show starts. I wasn't the first guest out. I might have been the second or third. I don't know. So it starts and I'm introduced, sing a little song. And then there's this delay as they take you to the chair next to Merv to be interviewed. I had about a 90 second elevator pitch. Hey, Merv, my uncle, Dr. Heimlich's in the blah, 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 blah. And he stopped me. He says, you know, I, and he says, you know something? I heard about that. I actually heard about that. Well, I, I read something. It's very interesting. And Dick Carson, Johnny Carson's brother, and this comes into play later, is directing the Merv Griffin show. Lights come up. Hey, Anson, great being here. Un unbeknownst to anybody, he tells the audience, you know, Anson told me something interesting. Is there a Dr. Heimlich in the audience? Yeah, hi. And they find the light. And Can you stand up, please? I understand. I've read something about the Heimlich Maneuver. Can you tell me more about it? Dr. Heimlich's telling the country about the Heimlich maneuver. And, and then Merv said these words, will you try it on me? And Dr. Heimlich comes on stage and does the Heimlich, and I have the picture of this, does the Heimlich maneuver on Merv Griffin. That must have had amazing impact. You, you think? You think? I do. Well, I do. <laughs> and Merv Griffin, by the way, was delayed a night or something. With It wasn't live. Went on. Lots of like, whoa. Three weeks later, because of... Johnny Carson's brother, who happened to be directing the Merv Griffin show, who happened to talk to the producer at The Tonight Show, Dr. Heimlich is on Johnny Carson three weeks later. And they're on the Johnny Carson show. He's doing the Heimlich maneuver on Johnny Carson. Okay? At that point, the Heimlich maneuver went crazy, like blew out. God knows how many thousands of lives have been saved because of... Let's backtrack. Gary Marshall creating a show, yada, 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 yada. And I'm just one small part of it, but my small part of it was connected to Dr. Heimlich, right? And then you get on the Mergivison show. And then, oh, coincidentally, Johnny Carson's brother's directing it. It's amazing how the universe works, huh? Isn't that amazing? What year was that? What year was that, roughly? What'd you think? Swag, guess. Gosh, I would say 1975, 76. Okay, so that's 1975, 1976. So this is December 2021. You when bet. I was getting ready to talk to you. Yes. This article ran. 
in the paper. A McDonald's worker saw a woman choking on a chicken nugget, hopped through the drive-in window and saved her. She was 15, a 15-year-old person working at McDonald's. She learned the Heimlich maneuver in a Red Cross babysitter class when she was 11. Wow. There you go. Flash forward all these years, still huge, huge, amazing. Well, no, you want to talk about a legacy? People talk to me about, oh, what's it feel like being, you know, you know, well-known and all that, all that. We were huge at one time and you go down. All, all that promo, all that publicity, all that visibility of being so-called special. Oh, would your legacy want to be being a television star or knowing generations are continuing because you saved a life? What legacy would you want? I would love that legacy. You know, it's like using your platform of celebrity to truly bring focus on someone that's really doing a more important job, which is keeping families together and future generations that never would have happened unnecessarily people haven't passed. That, believe me, I get crazy with that. And celebrities not using their platform properly, truly. Yeah, it's, I imagine it evokes many a goosebump to just even just think about the people that are around and that that you've helped. But you created something also with the help of Uncle Hank, Alert Drops, which I got to say, alert. although you describe it in more detail, but basically a lemon-based thing that that you can squirt in your mouth while you're driving to keep you from falling asleep. On your tongue. On your tongue, on your tongue, to keep you from falling asleep. I, when I heard about this, I admit I hadn't heard about it until I was was getting ready to talk to you, but I can't tell you how many times I've been driving and you're like, you can kind of feel yourself starting to doze a little bit and you have to really kind of talk yourself out of it or, you know, really kind of snap yourself out of it. Or all of a sudden you're like, huh? And you're like, what just happened? (laughs) You know what I mean? Yeah. So describe the product a little better than I did. (laughs) But this is another life-saving product that that was inspired by Dr. Heimlich and the Heimlich Maneuver. And so carrying on the legacy, but I'm going to let you explain it for a minute. You went through this kind of, oh my God, I'm exhausted. Well, way before any of this, Decades ago, I was directing a, a television show in California. We were a little bit out of LA in, in a desert area called Palmdale. It was a re- very difficult shoot, you know, really hot, dehydrated. Anyway, I get back in the car, I'm driving home, and I've been up for 17 hours or whatever it was. I fell asleep at the wheel for like seconds, but enough to like, enough to almost have killed myself or someone else. And it scared me. I had a conversation with Dr. Heimlich not that much longer, whatever, and I brought it up. He said, Anson, for God's sakes, cut up some lemons, keep it in the car. If you're ever exhausted, bite into the lemons. And he said, it's already been proven. It's old science. Citric acid, sour lemon, when it hits the top of your tongue, hits the lingual nerve and the reflex reaction. No different than when you go to a doctor and they do, you know, they test your reflexes, your arm, your knees, your legs. He said, There's a, it's the same thing with the tongue. There's a reflex reaction of tongue and brain. And the reflex reaction is, is adrenaline. You put sour lemon, citric acid on your tongue. You're, you're up. You're, it's, not, it's not in your system. It's reflex reaction of the body to wake up. I went, really? He goes, yes. So for years, and be, you, know, you know yourself being in the, in the entertainment business. It's exhausting. It's hours. I mean, it's just so I had cut up lemons and and it was wonderful. I never had the problem again. Okay, let's cut to years later. I had an equal desire, aside from show business, to get into the product business. I love creating products that are helpful to people. And also, I was researching about researching drowsy driving at that time. There were more deaths, more tragedies, more accidents 
than drunk and medicated driving combined through drowsy driving. And I go, oh my God, I think we can help with that. And then I went further, exhaustion is a major problem in America, probably the world, but exhaustion, the workplace, kids having to study all night, taking caffeine or whatever the hell it is through the finals, you know, tired mothers, whatever. I mean, there's so many exhaustive situations where people have to be immediately sharp and clear and not take all this crap that's going to uh, cause ill health and, and really trips to the hospital, overdosing on caffeine, energy drinks, whatever that is. And by the way, caffeine, people with drowsy driving, they say, oh, a cup of coffee. A, you take it, takes 20 minutes to take effect. And you need so much, it like makes you, it, you're jittery. You're not clear, you're not concise, and it skews up your sleep pattern. It's a merry ground for exhaustion. So I had this idea and I called Hank, Dr. Heimlich, and I said, you know, I've been doing these cut up lemons for years, but I have an idea. What about a spray drop? A spray drop on your, with the right amount of citric acid, the right amount of sour lemon, water, and a bit of preservative for shelf life or whatever. He goes, oh my God, He's, he got excited. He went, oh my God. He said, not only is it more powerful than a lemon, he said, it will be more effective because it's going directly on the top of the tongue, directly on the lingual nerve. Boom, you're awake, you're alert. Nothing in your system, nothing hurts you. Immediately stop a tragedy. So together, uh, we developed alert drops. And if people go to alertdrops.com, that's alertjobs.com. And please, God, go to alertjobs.com because you will absolutely stop yourself or a friend or your child or your husband from having an unnecessary tragedy, whether it's a car crash, whether it's being disabled, whether it's being killed, whether it's killing someone else. Listen to me. Go to alertjobs.com. And there you will find Dr. Heimlich. Oh, by the way, the clinicals, the science on this is over 50 years old. MIT have done studies on citric acid, sour lemon. We're not creating, all we're doing is a better scooter. We're not creating anything new. We're making it convenient for people to just use and stop unnecessary tragedy. So please go to alertjobs.com and get a call from your friends that you've given alert jobs to. They're going on a long trip. They're going to call you and they're going to thank you. And they're going to, they're going to say, oh my God, we were so tired. It got us there safely. Oh my gosh, thank you. Instead of your friend calling about a tragedy, go to alertjobs.com. And what I tell people too, we created alert jobs and made it incredibly reasonable to use. And I tell you, if you can't afford alert jobs, then absolutely have cut up lemons. And if you're going on a long trip or, or you're at work, have cut up lemons with you. But if you're feeling, bite into them. It's a little messier, but it will do the same thing. But more importantly, Dr. Heimlich and I, we just want to save unnecessary tragedies. That's it. That's the whole enchilada. Thank you. It's always nice when someone with celebrity and, and uses it for such good things. So thank you for that. And I can't even imagine how many people have, are still around from your product, from the Heimlich Maneuver, from everything. You got quite a family there. Yeah. <laughs> Saving lives. Well, it's, uh, it's a blessing. It feels like a mission. and a, and it feels right, you know, honored to, be, to have a platform to make sure families stay together and generations go forward. If I could be a little, a little bit part of that, more important than any stardom or anything else. It's an amazing legacy. So uh, how do we, all right, so let's just, uh, I think we just have to do a hard pivot to happy days. <laughs> trying to think of like an easy way. How do you, how do you kind of, kind of mole go? Well, I, really, I really screwed you up. I know. <laughs> 
We're just gonna we're just gonna rip the band-aid off and kind of hey, hey, you know something? You have a platform, you've worked hard, you have people watching right now. You're you're part of this. Do you realize what we just talked about? I guarantee you, you stop an unnecessary tragedy. It's a good feeling. It's a good feeling. And that's you. It's your stardom, it's your platform, it's everything you've I can't do this alone ever. It's collaborative. It takes people working hard in all their areas, and you're giving of yourself. You just gave so many minutes of time to help people. And that's what it's about. Yeah, absolutely. And it's it's my pleasure to to aid in that. If if we together can save even just one life, totally worth it. Well, guess what? I will guarantee you, you did. Well, thank you. All right. Well, you. I was going into that hard pivot and you pulled it right back, but now I have to go. <laughs> oh, you know what? When uh, uh, You know what just popped up while I was uh, getting ready to talk? This was from a retro thing. They posted when you and Lydia Cornell hosted New Year's Rockin' Eve, and there was a picture of the of the ad yeah. from TV Guide. Yeah. 1983? Um, I think it was, uh, let's see, wait, let me click on it. It was, um, oh yeah, 83, 1983. Yep, ah, yep. Yeah, yeah. Might have been 82, no, it was 82 to bring in 83, but yeah. Fine. <laughs> That's cool, that was fun. Awesome, so let's talk Happy Days. So you were with Happy Days the entire time, and by that I mean the first pilot and the second pilot, when it yeah. began as a, a part of Love American Style, which- I got to get that correct. It was not part of Love American Style. It was not? No. I thought it was an episode. I thought it was an episode. Aired on Love, Love American Style. Okay. It was a pilot they did that was co-financed. They knew they would get some of the monies back by airing it back on Love American Style. Mm. It was Paramount, and Paramount Studios also did Happy Days. So it, it was a pilot that then they aired on Love American Style because that helped finance the pilot. Got it, got it. It wasn't like Love American Style. Oh, that's cool, let's do a show. It was a separate pilot that they put on Love American Style too. Got it. How would you describe the difference between what that pilot was and then the second one? Oh, 180 degrees different. And the first pilot was wonderful. There was no Fonzie created, no Ralphie created. Uh, Mr. Cunningham was played by Harold Gould. Marion Ross was on it. A different Joni. Uh, Ron was on it. I was on it. So basically, there was no Henry Winkler, no Don Most, no um, Tom Bosley, no Aaron Moran. And the show was more based on Summer 42. Ron played a Hermie kind of, and I played more of an Oski. The, the mo- you know, the, get him in trouble. Get- okay. And it was a much softer show. And beautifully done, by the way. But the network, they didn't pick it up. And it aired on Love American Style, and it was over. So I, I went back to playing the um, concerned boyfriend parts. That, that was my life before Happy Days. You know, it'd be five pages of dialogue, and I'm waiting for my line, you know? <laughs> and I was the best reactor in tele- a young reactor in television. They'd all be going along, and, and they cut to me all along. And, and finally, I got I'm waiting for my line. I understand. And then it's back to everybody else. Anyway, so I'm doing that part in um, outside of San Francisco in, in Marin County. It was a big um, Hallmark Hall of Fame special called Lisa Bright and Dark, starring Kay Lenz. And I played her boyfriend, and every, every, everyone hot at the time was in that show. And I got a call that ABC, oh, just, just to um, backtrack, American Graffiti had come out that year, big hit, Grease on Broadway, big hit, ABC Network. 
are thinking, didn't we have a 50s pilot? Didn't we have whatever? So they decided to do another pilot of Happy Days, more like graffiti, a little more edgy, all that, right? But yet this time, and I got this call, hey, they want to do it again. Great. But this time you and Ron have to screen test. Now, this is after Ron starred in American Graffiti. Right. They think you might, you guys might be too old. So anyway, we go, I won't get, it, get into the whole story, but we go in all the blah, 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 screen test again. However, one of the, and, and, they, and when we screen tested, there were all these duos screen testing. One was with Don Most auditioning for my part, Potsy. Whatever, Ron and I got the parts again. They loved Don so much, they created Ralph Mouth for him. That's awesome. They, he was not in the script. They literally created the part for him. Fonzie, the character Fonzie was between uh, Mickey Dolenz and Henry Winkler because he was written more like kind of a cartoonishly, meaning kind of comedically. And, he, and Henry came in with a total different attack on the character. Thank God Henry got it. People ask through the years, they asked me if I was ever jealous of Henry being so popular. And I would say, are you kidding me? He bought me a house. Actually, he bought me two houses. I'm going, <laughs> keep going, man. Yay. How close did Mickey Dolenz actually come to getting the role? Was it even uh, like, did he just have an audition or was it even close? Extremely close. Extremely close. Two people left. Really, what direction do you want to go with the show? I mean, it was down to the wall. And Mickey's like incredibly talented. But it was just a different... It's just a different way to go. Henry created something original. And honestly, Fonzie, I have to give Henry credit there. He 100% created that character. It was not written that way. Once he created it, they wrote it for him. That's really, really cool. You know, all the hey and whoa. And that's all. He created that. They didn't, no one, no one created, he created that. And the writers used that and created the character off his creation. So that's Henry. And he deserved the Emmy. He got the Emmy a couple of years ago for um, Barry. For Barry. But let me tell you, I mean, he's great in Barry. He's and all that. But you want to talk about creating something that you're not just that, you, that it's just a total like amazing creation as an actor. That's Fonzie. He deserved that Emmy forty years ago. Absolutely. Yeah, that was a long time coming. That was definitely a long time coming. Yeah. Yeah, and 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 Barry's phenomenal on it. But I don't think it's as difficult a character to create as Fonzie, which is 180, not him. That is not Henry. He created that thing 100% opposite of him. And so anyway, I was so glad that he it finally got that recognition for an Emmy. But honest to God, it should have been two Emmys, one 40 years ago. Absolutely. You were nominated. Were you, you were nominated as well, right? I was nominated for Golden Globe. Golden Globe. Okay. They have no taste. They nominated me. <laughs> That's funny. So, all right. So American Graffiti comes. There's a little myth out there that American Graffiti, Happy Days was created because of American Graffiti. But really, as I'm hearing the story, it, it helped re-energize an idea that was there based in the 40s, brought it to the 50s. But it did help create American Graffiti. It, no, it was, it, it was, an, we had, a, again, we had Happy Days. It was just, yes, Happy Days was a much softer version of the 50s, like kind of like Summer 42. American Graffiti changed the tone. When they went back to rewrite the pilot or make a new pilot, it was much more inspired by graffiti. And by the way, do you know who wrote the pilot, the second pilot? I do You not. don't know. Rob Reiner 
And his writing partner at the time wrote the pilot of Happy Days, the one that sold. Rob Reiner? Really? That's that's Rob incredible. Rob Reiner and and I can't Mitch, I can't remember his writing partner, but they look it up. They wrote the pilot that sold of Happy Days. I believe it. That crew that came out of the Smothers Brothers writing team seemed to be right everything that came after it. Like that was huge. There you and very few people talk. Yes, Gary created it, Gary Moore, you know, but the second pilot. Whatever reason, uh, Rob Reiner and gosh, I wish you remember. I wish I remembered his writing partner. They wrote the pilot, and it was much more graffitious than the first one. Yeah, and it created the characters that made the show a, a phenomenon around the world. Potsy, Fonzie, majorly the change of relationship with Ron, with him and and Ron and Donnie, and and then Harold Gould wasn't available for the second pilot who played Mr. Cunningham in the first pilot, but Tom Bosley was. And you know, and Tom, I mean, what he gave to the show, incredible. The entire cast is, I mean, it's a, yeah, Tom, I can't imagine it without Tom Bosley. I looked it up real quick. Phil Mishkin, Rob Reiner and Phil Mishkin. Rob Reiner, Phil Mishkin. That was it. You didn't know that, did you? No, I didn't. I, and that's, that was, that's a, like a bit of trivia that I, th- I would think would be trivia. more well-known. Yeah. <laughs> they don't know it. Here's another bit of trivia. When I was doing Lisa Bright and Dark, remember I told you when I was called, they wanted to do another Happy Days, but I had a screen test this time. Well, Kay Lenz had a sister in Lisa Bright and Dark, this dark movie. I just loved her and she was great. And and when I got back and we got the parts, they were still casting Joni. And I said, we can't find a Joni. I said, you know, well, I worked with this wonderful little actress on this. And they go, oh, what's it? And they brought her into audition with everyone. And she got her. Her name was Erin Moran. That's awesome. I only knew that because I read it in your book, which I, by the way, I keep mentioning it's called Singing to a Bulldog from Happy Days to Hollywood Director and the Unlikely Mentor Who Got Me There. For anyone listening that wants to check it out, it's available on Amazon. Lots of great stories. Sorry for the quick plug there for you. <laughs> That's nice. But do, do, but you understand the reason for the book, promoting Li- Willie Turner forward? To me, it was a motivational book more than, you know, an iconic like little celebrity book. It was like I wanted everybody to have the same life lessons that I was fortunate to receive from a janitor who is African-American and a functioning alcoholic and not well-educated. But he had the magic for me. I wouldn't be talking to you now without Willie Turner. And what I want to know, tell people, it's not going to be some movie star, some billionaire that's going to find the magic in your life. It's going to be someone you're going, that's going to be connected to you. It could be a grocery clerk. It could be an engineer. It could be a doctor. It could be whoever. But if you have a feeling of connection, go stop, listen, and go with it. And that was Willie Turner to me. At 15 and a half years old, insecure, whatever, this, what many people would consider a number in the world, was the whole reason we're talking today. He cared about me, understood me, connected with me. And the life lessons Willie Turner gave me we're just, um, I don't. Yeah, I think it's amazing that you wrote the book as to kind of as an homage to Willie Turner. A lot of people that I talk to, there's like this one thing when we're talking, there's like this one thing that changed their lives. It was one interaction and that set them out of their life. Like I was talking to comedian John Heffron. He won Last Comic Standing and the waitress said, you should try an open mic. He thought the waitress was cute. He goes to do an open mic. And that becomes his career, award-winning comedian, you know, huge, right? But everyone seemed to have like these little stories. I think it's great that you 
wrote a book to encapsulate it because I think that's what people need to look for in their lives. And I think sometimes they miss it is those those special people that come in and out that change your life forever and, and set you on a path and are there for maybe just a short time, but play such an important role in who you become. But it's almost like it's the foundation of your house. It took so much time to build it, but the house would fall down without it. You want to respect that foundation. Right. And you really want to give credence to that. And that's that's the one thing. Even today, everybody, everyone's so involved with TikTok and Instagram and, and influencers and all this really bunch of icing. It's it's kind of a it takes you away for a minute, but it doesn't really help your life very much. And and the book to me was it's like maybe look a little deeper and maybe be a little just be a little more open to that bigger connection. You know, it's not going to be some influencer, honestly. You're not going to get it from the internet. You're not going to get it from some quote or some great person. You're going to get it from a heartfelt individual that cares about you or that connects with you as a human being. That's the recipe that's going to really give you direction and kind of solidify maybe what you knew all along, but didn't have the clarity to to see. A lot of gems in this interview. I got <laughs> We're doing good. But let me let me ask you a question. With Happy Days, when when Happy Days started out, it was kind of your and Ron's show. I mean, the focus was a lot on on your relationship and your characters. But then at some point, they decided to turn the show and focus more on Henry Winkler and the Fonz. Mm-hmm. And how I'm sure you embraced it because you you mentioned how thankful you are for Henry Winkler and all that. So how was it though to kind of just take that in and kind of retool that show to? So a lot of it, I say what it, what I know it to become, but only because of how old I was and when I started watching it was after right. the first seasons. But how was it for you? I mean, I mean, I'm sure I get the impression you were happy to be along for the ride. <laughs> you know, how, how was it there where you're all of a sudden it's like it's you and Ron and then now it's really going to be Henry Winkler and as a... As a- um, for a moment, I'll be truthful because it, it kind of happened pr- pretty quickly. It, it sort of threw me back a little bit, but Gary Marshall had a, uh, a talk with me and we talked through it, I understood. I, I mean, basically, what's important is the show. Not you, it's the show. And the world connected to Henry. And they wanted more of Henry. And honestly, it was an amazing combination of having these really polar opposites together, yet both needing each other. And at the same time, Gary had given me the opportunity to sing on the show. And to actually be in charge of what, I, what I've sung on the show and being able to write songs for the show. So I, I, I already had kind of a, another part of the show that was my responsibility. And, and Gary inspired in us the importance of the shows first. So it didn't bother me that much. I absolutely understood why. And it was right. It, the audience really informed us what they wanted. And in terms of the show, nothing against Potsy or anything. They wanted to see those guys together. But they also wanted to see me sing. So guess what? I'm going, okay. I, I said, I get it. Okay. Ego-wise, oh, I wish, whatever. But I had my place too. So Ron and Henry, they bring that up. The show goes on for 10 and a half years, right? Right. At the same time, I'm making, back then, you did not make the money today on shows like, money then like they do today. People are making a million dollars an episode today. Of what I got paid twelve hundred dollars an episode for, with three times the ratings. Okay. Wow. Yeah. However, at the, yes, 
But at that time, I've always been one, and, I, and everyone out there, my book's about this. See what you have, not what you don't have. You talk about, oh my God, you're not you getting less stuff on the show. Well, I might. Well, what do I do have? What's positive? Let's deal what's positive instead of putting all this negative crap in there. Oh, what's positive? And I found music, blah blah blah. So I'm making okay, fine, twelve hundred dollars an episode. And we tried it. We sang on the show, loved it. Started singing every third show. Chelsea Records, David Cassidy's label comes to me. Oh. So not long later, I am getting $1,200 an episode. Yes, I don't have as much to do with Ron, but I'm making $17,000 a night doing concerts. Same show, same platform. And Gary Marshall came up to me and said, I am so proud of you. You don't bitch. You found opportunity. You know what's good for the show. You know, and the singing is good for the show. You, I love that. So what happened? We have a greater good for everybody. By doing it, it motivated me to do something else I was good at. And you know, the whole show became better. So I hope that's a lesson everyone out there to no matter what the hell happens to you, you think there's always something there that's good. Always grab it, nurture it, and move forward with it, man. I hate to say it, but the first thing that pops in my head is... Uh... When you're handed lemons, make lemonade. <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, that's that's the you, yep. But that's true. Yep. And, I, and by the way, it's a very hip explanation that should be that, that should be regenerated every generation. You know. Absolutely. Do you have time for one more question? Sure. You were there when the birth of Robin Williams. Well, you bet I was. And Mork from Mork, and yep. this was the moment that on Happy Days where Robin Williams became. Right, was the, the the seeds for what became everything we know of, of Robin Williams? What what was that like? Just even being there and witnessing this, it must have been incredible. It was honest. That's that's a moment in time. That's I actually saw divine intervention with literally a light from light from the sky on this situation. The odds of all this are impossible. We we've talked about it. I don't know. If many people know that. The original Mork from Ork script was the worst script in the history of Happy Days. Awful. Worse than awful. God-awful. Like, what the hell? And it all started when Star Wars came out. And Scotty Marshall, um, who's Gary Marshall's son, who was 10 at the time, they saw Star Wars. And they came out, and Gary was, was a tremendous family man. And Scotty came out and said, Daddy, please, please, please write a, write a uh, Spaceman episode for Happy Days. Write it. Oh, please, please, man. And Gary's going, well, oh, my God. And, you know, well, Star Wars, maybe we can figure out a Spaceman episode for Happy Days. So on Mondays, at the, at the time, we were a three-camera live audience show. On Mondays, uh, you'd, get, you'd go in and you'd first read the script for the next week so the writers could rewrite. And then you would write, read the script. For that week that they've they'd already rewritten, we read this this the first script uh, that's going to be a week away, Mork for Mork, and we're barely we're reading it, barely getting through it. It's so awful. And Henry, who's like such a kind, really gentle soul, throws the script down. What the heck? This is. Are you kidding? It was so bad. And Gary Marshall says, "Don't worry." I will, we'll, we'll rework it. We'll fix it. We'll do whatever. We'll do it. And then we, okay, fine. Then we read the script. We're going to 
like do that week, right? And it's fine. So the next Monday comes, we read the script that's going to be the next week, and it's fine. And we, now we read the one we're going to do, work from work. It's worse. It's worse. It is so bad <laughs> and stupid and corny. I'm like, what? But what are we going to, we have to do it. And they hired a guy to play Mork. Not Robin Williams, by the way, everyone out there. And a very talented actor at the time. I don't remember. He's really, it's like, it's embarrassing. The part's embarrassing. Monday we rehearse, Tuesday we rehearse, Wednesday we rehearse. Wednesday we're rehearsing and we're supposed to have a run through Wednesday night. Like when, at the end, the actor quits before the run through. Says, I'm not doing this. What he said. And, every, and we're going, what the hell, man? We're shooting Friday night. By the way, Thursday, the next day, is just camera blocking. It's like you go there and camera blocking through camera means the actors go through it. People, they, mark, they do marks for cameras. We go back and then they coordinate the cameras scene by scene by scene, right? And then we'll do it all together with all the marks. And the writers will come at that point for last minute notes. But rehearsal's over. It's done. So here it is. Wednesday night, we don't have a mark. Gary Marshall comes down to the set says, does anybody know a favorite? Uh, does anybody know a funny Martian? <laughs> Gary Marshall goes, um, no, not Gary, excuse me. Al Molinero goes, there's this kid in my uh, Harvey Lembeck improv class. And even I think there's this professional improv class a lot of actors go to. His name's Robin Williams. I think he was on uh, some Laugh-In show, the redo of Laugh-In or Six Up, but he's a very funny guy. And then Ronnie Hallen, who's Gary's sister, who's casting, said, oh, yes, I heard of him. Gary goes, he's funny. They go, he's funny. Get him in here. Okay, that's Wednesday. Th okay, cut to Thursday morning. Now, Donnie and I, Domos and I, we're not in the first few scenes. So we don't have to be there for camera blocking. So we get in a little later. So we come in. Now, there's never a writer on the set on Thursdays while camera blocking. Nobody. The world is on the set. Every writer, every, like this, writing, like, um, and Jerry Paris, our director, wonderful director, comes running up to me. He's a genius. He's a genius. He's a genius. What the hell is going on? And I walk down there, and there is Robin Williams. Nanu, Nanu, standing, making up all this stuff on the spot, literally improving the whole show. And the writers are like, they're, they're writing everything he's down, he's doing, and it's coming out of his head. And I swear to God, I, I saw, I'm looking at this, I am looking at genius. I am looking at nothing I've ever, I've ever witnessed spontaneously, ever. I swear, there was like, I swear, I'm saying, there's this light shining down on the sky, Robin Williams. Literally a light. Goes, well, guess what? So that's Thursday. Camera block. As their camera block, there's sort of a run through Thursday. And then Friday, we're there. Anyway, you're talking about one and a half days from the worst script in Happy Days history to a historic moment of entertainment a day and a half later. And there we, and there we are, Friday. He blew up the stage. Blew up the stage. There's 300 people in the audience, you know, or average that have never seen this guy. By the way, the world doesn't know Robin yet at all. At the end of the show, there was this 
a roar. These people, they were on their feet, I don't know how many minutes, yelling and screaming and over, over Robin Williams. And by the way, the kindest, gentlest, shyest guy you meet in your life. I mean, just a wonderful human being. And after that night, literally Gary Marshall took pieces of the happy days that we just shot, and he did a pilot with Pam Dauber, and somehow co-mingled this in a little present, didn't even go in the office, sent Fred Silverman at ABC this, and he sold 13 on the air before this episode even aired. That's amazing. Thank you. I can't thank you enough for sharing that with me. That's, there was no development, no, it was divine intervention, man. It was a moment, and honestly, all this stuff now, when there's 18 levels of network and all this, everything I've seen that's classic today, it's been, it's not 82 people. If anything, it waters it down. It's the moment, it's talented people that understand the moment. It's all those initial instincts and it works. That episode aired February 28th, 1978, the first Mark for Mark episode. There you go. And the next year, they had Mark and Mindy. Yep. Incredible. And then Robin became a superstar. Huge. Yeah. Wow. I could talk to you forever, but I know I know you got to go. The <laughs> This is so much fun. A million questions I didn't ask, but so much great stuff. I really enjoyed this conversation. What do, What are you up to these days and how can people keep up with you on the socials or so bad with the socials i can't stand the socials it's all such bullshit <laughs> but i mean i do facebook and i'll put things on the account but i don't like people knowing you know what you're having for breakfast you know which i, I just it's like there's so much more to do in life but so i yeah i'm on facebook being i mean it's public other people do things still um very involved in entertainment we have some Pretty entertaining things coming up that is that that are in development and still creating products. You know they're important for people, so uh, it's still a very productive life. And uh, but I'm not on social. I mean, I don't. You know, it's just it, I just can't do it, man. I just can't do it. I can't sit there and go. Did you put on Instagram? Did you put on that? I go. Gee, oh my god. You know, <laughs> the alert drops probably has. Alert, no, alert drops. And I probably don't do, and honestly, maybe I don't even do enough social media on that because, but alert drops, go to alertdrops.com. I hope you do. And I hope, uh, I hope it becomes bigger. I actually hope it becomes like Kleenex and toilet paper where it's bigger than social media. You just need it for your daily life because have, have an alert drops in your pocket, give it to your friends. And honestly, everyone stop unnecessary tragedies since it's such a simple way of keeping your family together your husband coming home, coming home safe, your kids coming home safe, your friends coming home safe, uh, being safe on the road, being safe in the workplace, being safe at school, please go to alertdrops.com and stop unnecessary tragedies. That's a great place to, and I think, I can't thank you enough for hanging out with me. So it was so much fun. Thank you. You're great. Thank you. Wonderful guy. Thank you so much for having me. Really appreciate it. I wish you nothing but success. Thank you. Thank you so much. You bet. God bless, man. God bless you. Bye-bye. All right. How amazing was Anson Williams? Loved all those stories from Happy Days. Finally got the whole story straight on the Love American Style thing. Hearing about the birth of Mork from Mork. I love that. That whole Heimlich Maneuver story. And, of course, don't forget to check out alertdrops.com. We've all been there where we kind of fall asleep at the wheel for even a half a second. So amazing to know that such a great product is out there. Well, 
with the interview over, that can only mean one thing. That's right. It's time for another trending hashtag from the family of hashtags at hashtag roundup. Follow us on Twitter at hashtag roundup. Download the free hashtag roundup app. Always free. Never costs a penny at the Google Play Store or Apple App Store. Get notified every time a hashtag game goes live. Tweet along with us and one day one of your tweets may show up on an episode of Live from Detroit, the Jeff Duoskin Show. Fame and fortune await you. This week's hashtag is from a fun weekly game about tags on hashtag roundup. Keeping with the classic sitcom theme, I chose a funny mashup, hashtag serial sitcoms. That's right, the ultimate mashup between your favorite sitcoms and serial. Mashing those together, what can result? Only hilarity. All right, here are some of my favorite hashtag serial sitcoms. Everybody hates Cookie Crisp, Murphy Bran, Chico and the Bran Flakes, Brady Bunches of O's, The Facts of Life, Eight is a Puff. These are some amazing hashtag serial sitcoms. Applejack's Reacher, Big Crunch Theory, Lucky Charmed, The Brady Crunch, The Honeycombers, Golden Graham Girls, and the final hashtag serial sitcom, Checks in the City. Whoa! Those were some hilarious mashup tweets. All of them are retweeted at Jeff Dwoskin Show on Twitter. Head over there. Give me a follow. Like, retweet. All the tweets I just read. Show them some love. Tweet your own hashtag serial sitcoms. Tag me at Jeff Dwoskin Show and I'll check it out. All right. Well, the hashtag game's over. The interview's over. That can only mean one thing. That's right. The end of episode 110 is upon us. How does this creep up on us so fast? So exciting every week, and then suddenly it's over. Well, being over means we just now have something to look forward to. Thursday's bonus episode and next Monday's interview. Let me thank once again my amazing guest, Anson Williams, and of course, all of you for showing up week after week. I can't thank you enough, and I'll see you next time. Thanks so much for listening to this episode of The Jeff Dwoskin Show with your host, Jeff Dwoskin. Now go repeat everything you heard and sound like a genius. Catch us online at thejeffdwoskinshow.com or follow us on Twitter at Jeff Dwoskin Show. And we'll see you next time.